Welcome to Portraits of Honor. We stand in the swiftly fading shadow of our World War II veterans and heroes who united for a single purpose, to honor life, liberty, and justice for all. They were soldiers and sailors, airmen and mechanics, nurses and pilots, radio operators, ordinary people who did extraordinary things. Our mission is to preserve their stories, to bring their experiences to life for a new generation. This is our tribute, our act of honor. Through their words, we explore the essence of honor and remember the sacrifices that were made. For just the cost of a cup of coffee each month, you can help us preserve their stories. Visit portraitsofhonor.com to learn more. Join us as we journey back in time, as we listen, learn, and remember. This is Portraits of Honor. Let the stories of these heroes begin. In this engaging episode, we explore the extraordinary life of Jane Sanford Hall, a Navy Waves veteran who decoded top secret messages during World War II, worked with the CIA's precursor in London, and journeyed across the globe from Japan to Washington, D.C., eventually finding her home in New Hampshire after the war. Jane's story weaves through captivating places and impactful moments in history. This interview was recorded on May 20th, 2021 in Center Tufton Borough, New Hampshire. What's your full name? Jane Sanford Hall. And your birth date? September the 2nd, 1923. Okay, and where were you born? Farmville, Virginia. Farm Hills. Farmville. 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 What, what is that close to? Richmond, Virginia is about 60 miles south. Okay. And did you live there, you know, all your childhood or? Yes, for, for 19 years, 19 years. Okay. And where'd you go to high school? Farmville High School. All right. I, was, I thought that might be the case. <laughs> <laughs> and I, after high school, did you go to have any college after that? No, I lived, in, I lived in a little college town and I went from kindergarten through college living at home. Mm -hmm. and uh, walking to school. Yeah, <laughs> very close then. Very close. And when did you uh, decide to uh, go into the, your, the service? The, the waves. Well, World War started when I was in a junior in high college. And I knew that I wanted to do something and uh, the waves were formed and I became very interested in that and uh, went to uh, Washington to enlist in the Navy and they told me I'd have to wait till my 20th birthday before I could get orders. So I went back home and volunteered at the gas uh, rationing board until I got my orders and then I was sent to... Uh, <laughs> the Navy had taken over several colleges around the country to uh, house the increase in service people. Mm -hmm. And their training for the officers was at Smith College in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts. So that's where I went. I trained from the my area of my where I lived up to there and became a Yankee. <laughs> for those who don't know, 
Tell me what the WAVES um, is. WAVES accepted for volunteer emergency service. When the war started, the Navy realized they didn't have enough men who could go to war. And at that time, Congress had a law that only men could serve in the military, in the Navy. And so they had the bright idea of, well, let's try the women. And so the president uh, uh, chose a woman president, I forget the college, but she was the founder of the WAVES. And at the end of the war, 80,000 WAVES had served. And so I went off to, as soon as I could, to join the Navy. So after you turned 20 and I got my orders, and that's when I went to Northampton, Massachusetts, and we, I was housed in uh, some of the dormitory areas that were taken over by the, the Navy for my basic training. Well, uh, I did a lot of marching in snow. <laughs> I had never had a New England winter experience before, <laughs> and uh, we learned how to identify enemy planes, useful things like that. <laughs> how to climb a rope ladder on the side of a ship. And uh, never got to put all that to, to use, but. Didn't get to use it. You know, I, but after two months there, I got my orders that I was going to be a communications officer. Yeah. And uh, we, we got our commissions as. Uh, Ensigns before we left the Northampton area, and then uh, we were sent to the ones who were getting the same assignment that I had. <clears throat> we were sent to Mount Holyoke College, which was not very far from Northampton, and I was there for two months learning how to be a communicator, typing and things like that. Yeah. And then I got my orders from there to go to California. That was pretty exciting. Had you ever been to California before? No. I hadn't traveled very much at all. And always this was, I, I was doing all this by myself, which is quite a, an experience for me. Yeah. So I had a little leave and at home with my parents. And then I left there and went via the southern route through New Orleans out to Los Angeles on train. And then there they told me, I had my orders, and so they told me how to get to where they are. I can't think of the name of it. Well, I, they sent me to the wrong place. I was supposed to go to Hunter's Point, which is south of uh, San Francisco. Right. Okay. <laughs> and I, so I got there, and I would missed the destination where I should be. So it was a very nice lady on duty, and she let them know that I wasn't AWOL. AWOL. <laughs> then, so she put, had found a place for me to spend the night and she arranged for me to get transportation from there, which was north of Los Angeles, from San Francisco, to where I was supposed to be at Hunter's Point. So the next morning I got on, uh, climbed up in a cab of an 18-wheeler <laughs> uh, steel company, which was uh, transporting steel from the, I forget the name of the company, to, to Hunter's Point. So my first glimpse of San Francisco was through the cab of the 
this 18-wheeler. <laughs> so he took me right to where I was supposed to go, and I got, a, got inducted there. And it was an interesting job. There were several other waves there, and we handled the, con the um, encrypted conversations, or communications, I should say, between other businesses elsewhere with the, the ships would have been tied up at the docks. And the ships take, we just, in other words, we took over their communications for them while they went in the port. And met a lot of interesting people and found out a lot about the war. And it was, uh, it was quite interesting. After President, died, President Roosevelt died in April, and after that, a lot of shifting was done. And I was sent from uh, San Francisco to the main uh, Navy Department in Washington, D.C. And my quarters at, at the uh, Hunters Point had been uh, right on San Francisco Bay, water all around, it's lovely. And you could walk to work. And <laughs> so it was, a, I hated to leave there. But in, Washington was quite interesting. And uh, I was there for the duration of my service in the Navy. So what, what did you do in Washington? Well, I was assigned to what they call the code room, and we were handling traffic between, uh, uh, well, areas between outside of the U.S. and handling the traffic is going back and forth. And uh, I had to decode it and get it to its destination. So it was just just kind of interesting. And, yeah. So it's, how... Was it hard to learn that job, you know, decoding these transmissions or...? or... No, we had machines then that helped us. Okay. And, uh, and uh, so it was just a matter of typing and more typing. And <laughs> so it was interesting, but uh, it was a much larger unit, of course, in Washington than it had been a tiny little group that I was with at Hunter's Point. But that's where I spent the rest of my Navy, active duty Navy. Yeah. And I ret retired from that, and I stayed in the reserves for a year and a half after that, and remained in Washington. Okay. And met a friend in, in the waves, and we had an apartment together, and. She worked for the State Department, and I was still doing things for the Navy, but not as a regular member as a reserves yeah. member. But whereabouts did you live? In outside of Georgetown. Okay. That's a section of of Washington. It was very nice. Then they had uh, streetcars, and we could travel around a lot on streetcars. That was kind of fun. Okay. <laughs> But when I left the Navy, finally, I applied for a job with CIA, and I got it. I stayed as a civilian, being trained there. And then after that, I was sent first. I was supposed to go to Bern, Switzerland. But fortunately for me, my orders were changed to London before I actually was departed. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I was with the, through the embassy in, in London was where I worked. 
and, and with CIA. And uh, I was... And what did you do there? Or for, is it still that's, secret? That's still secret, yeah. I was breaking codes. And, but, uh, and on, uh, I went there in June of, of uh, 19, I'm trying to think when it was the date. Anyway, it, it was the year that the, the British had the Olympics. And I arrived in time to go to a couple of those things. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that was fascinating. And then uh, on October the 12th, I met the man I was going to marry. <laughs> he was still in the service. He was a captain and assistant military attache in the embassy. And uh, branch? In the army. Our army. In the army. So uh, he was from Massachusetts and I was from Virginia. And had I gone to, to uh, Switzerland, as originally signed, I would never have met him. So I'm glad my orders were changed. <laughs> so. How long was it before you got married, after you met him? Uh, nine months. <laughs> 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 we met in October and we were married in July. Okay. And then we came home because uh, his orders brought him back to the States. So you came home, where did you live? We. We, Fred was assigned to Fort Monmouth in New Jersey. Okay. It had an advanced uh, communications schedule or something. Okay. And we were there for just a year, actually. And then uh, we transferred to, uh, he came home to tell me that I had a choice of where I'd like to go, Alabama or Mississippi. And it, you know, and I said, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> We loved it there. We made our friends forever there while we were stationed. Fred was at uh, at the university. It was a very pleasant situation. We rented a little house on top of in the suburbs, and mm -hmm. both our children were born there. So uh, it was a very exciting time. <laughs> now, explain a little more why you why they wanted you in. Tuscaloosa. Uh, because of Fred. Teaching. Yeah, Fred was too. Okay. He was on the faculty. Okay. Yeah. What kind of uh, role? But he was teaching ROTC, which is, is yeah. Okay. All right. I remember you said that earlier. Yeah, but it was an interesting job. Yeah. And he was sent to, transferred from there to Japan. Yokohama. Yeah. He was a. Uh, with the 40th AAA Brigade. And uh, so the, t the two children and I rented a place in the, my hometown. And okay. soon after all that was tra transaction took place, Fred found that on the way to uh, Yokohama, he was being transferred to Korea. and. That, uh, but first we could move, we could join him, and, and he was he was originally going to to, to Yoka. I thought he was going to Korea, but then he ended up. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. And he would take a ship over with two little, not very well babies, I guess. And 
quite a trip. Yeah, that was interesting. So life went on, like different assignments and... How long in Japan? Two, two years. Okay. Long enough to get a good... To appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I regret not taking it. Language, play, you know, with the little children, I, I was tied down. <laughs> So we're from Japan. We went to New York. To where? Kansas. Oh, Kansas, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Then we went to Japan. And then we went to California. And it was in film. Maybe it was a, it was a very well-known course there at the University of Southern California. And the Army would send people there, and Fred was one of them. And then he went to um, be at the Army Pictorial Center in New York. So we went from California to New York, big shock, and we're there almost three years. And so I finished, um, we, were, we were there for two years. Two and a half years, three years, something like that. And then, and then dad went to the Pentagon. Now, what was the pictorial center? They make all the army films. Oh, okay. um, so I used to say, you know, those hygiene films, the guys have to watch. <laughs> 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 some secret stuff and some non-secret stuff. So basically it's an army production studio. Okay. So that was kind of now, what were you doing during this time? Taking care of the children. <laughs> but you moved around, got a lot of interesting um, additions to your to your story, and you said from there you went Washington. We went from back to Washington. Oh yeah, we went back to Pentagon, and then Dad retired. Of his stamp, and then when he retired, they moved up here. <laughs> the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite an interesting. Uh, well, wasn't very glamorous, but it was interesting. I met. It just all opened my mind because I'd grown up in this little town, and uh, it, was, it was a segregated town I grew up in, and uh, so the big world was. A wonderful experience for me. And Absolutely. Yeah. But you were you had graduated college at nineteen and left on your own and did that. And I think that it's a really remarkable thing because many people did do that kind of thing and I thought it was interesting. What was it that caused you to want to do that? I don't know, I just felt I should do something useful. I didn't want to teach because I wouldn't have been much older than the students I was teaching. So uh, I just didn't, well, I had no desire to do that. But I was at a teacher's school, college, and uh, so that was kind of expected. But so really the war changed my future for me. <laughs> Gave me an op opportunity that I normally would not have had. Right. You must have had a, a pretty adventurous 
spirit anyway to because uh, you didn't have to do some of these things you, you chose certain things to to uh, to go into take advantage of some of those just happened to move you where they needed you but there you were. Right. At, during the war, women were not allowed on board ships to serve. You couldn't serve. But now, the Navy, you, women can serve most any place, you know, I think. But, so that changed, too. But I wasn't part of that. Uh, I never felt I was doing anything except that, just, uh, you know, filling in a spot that the, na the Navy couldn't fill with men. So. Nothing like being on board ship and fighting the Japanese, for instance. <laughs> well, you weren't allowed to. No. And if you had been. <laughs> I, I would have been below deck, I think. <laughs> well, that's what I, I like about this project. One of the things is. Uh, it doesn't matter what um, all the veterans did. You know, they might be fighting on the front lines or flying a fighter or a bomber, but it also might be decoding messages or typing or in charge of supplies stateside and it's great to hear all of the stories because all of it together will go in the war. Mm -hmm. This podcast is a charitable supported public service. To learn more about the veteran featured on this podcast, please go to portraitsofhonor.com. There you'll find more stories, portraits, and ways to be part of this act of honor. Every day, a few hundred World War II veterans pass away, and soon they'll all be gone. For the cost of a few cups of coffee each month, you can help us support the mission to give all these deserving veterans their portrait of honor and record and memorialize their stories forever. Please go to portraitsofhonor.com today to make your donation and show your support. Leave us a review and share this episode. By remembering the past, we can inspire a better future. Join us next time on Portraits of Honor.